Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I hope you enjoy this segment every week as much as we do. And I know uh, I've got some friends and uh, we get textures who really like Lon Hee Chen. And uh, it's it's as good a conversation you're going to hear about politics anywhere, always with him. You know, I don't mind hearing my side trumpeted a lot. It feels good. But it's also great to get straight down the middle. Here's what's happening. Here's how to understand it. That's why we enjoy Lonnie Chen so much. Lonnie's David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution and the Director of Domestic Policy Studies at the university. Neither of one of us could hope to get into Stanford University. Lonnie, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Happy Friday. Maybe yeah. some sort of sympathy admission. You know, listen. He's not very bright, but he tries hard. <laughs> Something like that. So at the Paper end, effort. at the Paper end of this, <laughs> at the end of this conversation, Joe said over his dead body. But at the end of this conversation, I'm just going to ask for your quick take, since Caitlyn Jenner's announced she's running for governor of California. But at the end of the conversation, we'll get to that. Hey, Lonnie, did you happen to see the opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal today by Kimberly Strassel about um, voter turnout and all that? I haven't seen it yet, no. I, I barely got through my coffee, you guys. I mean, I, no, I haven't seen it yet. So the Secretary of State in New Hampshire, Gardner, who maybe you know or you don't if you're super into politics, he's a highly respected Democrat. He's the longest-serving Secretary of State in the um, entire country. And he testified in front of Congress yesterday as they were having a big talk about uh, voting regulations. You know, we all know, right, the whole Georgia thing, and Georgia changed some of those, and people went crazy, and a boycott, and moving Major League Baseball, and then, you it's know... voter suppression. Voter suppression and whatnot. And this highly respected longtime Democrat was there testifying on... The Republicans invited him to say these these 
everything's backwards from what you're saying. There's very little voter suppression going on. What the hell are you talking about? And New Hampshire has some of the most restrictive voting regulations in the state, partially because it's in their state constitution. You have to show up that day. One of the reasons you have, they don't have early voting. One of the reasons is because their constitution mandates that they release the results that night. You have to show an ID, though, because they want to be very sure. They're, and they regularly have among the highest turnout, if not the highest turnout, in the entire country. And the uh, state of California, and that's one of the reasons I bring it up, Nancy Pelosi was uh, blasting New Hampshire and other states who require IDs and that sort of thing, and, wanna, and, and, and are pushing for H.R. 1, the federal government takeover of federal elections and uh, she wants to impose the california model and he pointed out mr gardner from new hampshire that california in terms of turnout in the last four presidential elections ranked 49th 49th 46th and 43rd (laughs) so uh, a lot of the we're going to make it easier to vote um, rules that are put out there. You get lower voter turnout, and some of the more restrictive states have higher. I just thought that was fascinating. What are your thoughts on all of that? And what do you what do you think the sweet spot would be? What should we do? Yeah, I mean, th- this is a really tricky set of issues because, on the one hand, you know, I, I I think there are certain common sense things about voting that you could get a majority, a strong majority of Democrats and Republicans and Independents to nod their heads and say, "Yeah, we should do that." For example. You know, the idea of saying, look, we want to have a election process that people feel secure, right? They feel like if they vote, that vote is actually the person who cast it is the person who claimed to have cast it, that that vote was securely handled and counted in the right way and accounted for in the right way. You know, I I think most people would say, yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And then you say, look, can we create a mechanism where in the context of it being a secure vote, people have an opportunity to vote in different kinds of ways. Some people want to vote by mail. Absolutely, they should. Some people want to vote in person early. Yes. And if you want to vote on Election Day, yes. You know, so this idea that somehow we have to go and polarize this one way or the other, you know, as Nancy Pelosi says, no, look, we got to have one way we do it across the country, regardless of the fact that, you know, there's reasons why different states have different election laws and rules. A state that's predominantly rural, for example, has to have a different set of rules, potentially, and a different set of requirements than a state that's more urban, right? And so there are reasons why, in their infinite wisdom, the founders said, look, fundamentally, when you look at something like an election, we want that election to be primarily driven by the conditions of what's happening locally, in states, in localities, etc. So this doesn't have to be a polarized issue. Unfortunately, it's become a really polarized issue. And I think that's frustrating to those of us who look at this and say, can we have a little common sense here? You know, for example, I'll just give one more example and I'll shut up. In the Georgia law, there was a lot of um, noise made by particularly, I mean, Biden amplified this, unfortunately. He said, oh, if you're waiting in line, you can't get water. They want people to, to, to go without water waiting in line to vote when it's 90 degrees. Well, first of all, how often is it 90 degrees in November? But putting that aside for a moment, <laughs> what the Georgia law actually, put it, putting that aside for a moment, what the Georgia law actually said is, if you are not a poll worker, you cannot give people who are waiting in line water. And that's a very reasonable thing if you think about it. Why do we, why do we prohibit electioneering, right? Why do we prohibit people from going up while you're waiting in line, harassing you about voting for one person or another? 
those kinds of laws prohibiting electioneering are very common. We have them in California. They have them in New York. What the Georgia law actually said is if you are not a poll worker, you cannot set up a water stand. But in fact, if you are a poll worker, you can put out a water dispenser and people can get water on their own. So how did that become, you know, all of a sudden we're going to dehydrate people while they're voting? And that's just an example of how polarized we've become, is we can't even have a reasonable dialogue about what the law actually says. I know that's what's right. kept me from voting many times, is I was afraid I'd get too thirsty. Die so of thirst? Just, it so happens. So, it's, it's, it's bones. It's like uh, when you uh, climb Mount Everest and the bones of the dead climbers. It's uh, that, like that at the polls. So a lot of this is being driven on both sides by, I think, an unproven theory. Uh, Democrats want higher turnout. Republicans would would like to have a lower turnout with the belief that the higher the turnout, the more Democrats vote. That that is there any fact behind that? No, I mean, look, I think we have seen high turnout elections that have benefited Republicans. We've seen high turnout elections that have benefited Democrats and vice versa. So I, I, I don't think it's correct to say that high turnout always hurts Republicans. Uh, that's not borne out empirically. Uh, if you've got a good, strong Republican candidate that's able to speak not just to Republican voters, but to voters across the, the ideological spectrum, you will see high turnout supporting Republican candidates. So I, I don't think it's the case. Well, then this is a heck of a topic. Kinds of so benefit certain candidates. Yeah. so, so the, the theory driving the whole thing that higher turnout leads to more Democrats, not true. The fact that you'll get better turnout by loosening up the, 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 the ways to vote is not true, according to all Gardner's stats yesterday. So the whole thing's a stupid conversation, it would seem. Right. Lonnie Chen is uh, with the Hoover Institution, Stanford University. Lonnie, is there any chance that the District of Columbia will become a state why or why not um i the only way it becomes a state is if democrats decide in the senate they're going to get rid of the filibuster and 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 they're going to completely change the way that uh essentially the senate operates and and they're going to jam it through on a party line vote now even then the question is could a would a moderate like senator joe manchin of west virginia would he go for something like that? Would he be supportive of something like that? Or does this end up becoming some part of package? A package? You know, some have suggested, for example, well, yeah, D.C. would become a state, but at the same time, you've got some Republicans that want Puerto Rico to become a state. So you figure out a way to package D.C. statehood with Puerto Rico statehood. I, I don't know how this is all going to turn out. But in terms of it just being a straight-up D.C. statehood bill passing the Senate, I still think it's less likely than more likely Again, unless the Democrats really want to burn, you know, burn it all down and say we're going to get rid of the filibuster entirely. George Will thinks that the Twenty Third Amendment forbids it, and that there's no chance they're going to overturn the Twenty Third Amendment or or repeal it. And so they're trying to pass an, as he describes it, almost inscrutable process to legislatively transfer to the new state the electoral votes constitutionally given to the district, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not even doable constitutionally. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think certainly you would see the legislation um, litigated on, on those grounds. You would see people saying, look, essentially, this is not a uh, this is not a constitutional thing to do. It, it, again, it, it sort of goes against what the intent of, of that part of the Constitution was. And, you know, the politics are very fraught. Right. I mean, obviously, we all know the District of Columbia is extremely tilted politically. And that automatically brings it from the vein of a conversation about what is best for 
you know, the United States into what is best for my party or for the other party. And that, unfortunately, uh, is never a fun conversation. Can the Biden White House continue to claim that uh, we've got a real problem with racist white cops shooting people of color uh, despite the facts? Can they continue to do that and win politically or is it going to hurt them? Well, look, I mean, I, I think there's a few things here. First of all, the the what the Biden team wanted to do essentially was to take this entire situation and 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 in some ways employ it to talk about the need for certain kinds of police reforms. By the way, there's actually a bipartisan consensus. If you look last summer, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina actually put forward legislation that would have helped to reform some of these police practices, would have studied and tried to figure out what are best practices, what are things that we can distribute as information, not as requirements, but as guidance so that police departments around the country could do a better job essentially of enforcing the laws and making sure that they were doing it in a way that was fair to everybody. So there is actually a bipartisan consensus around the need to do some of these reforms. The problem, again, guys, just like we talked about with the previous subject, is when you try to employ it for political gain, that's when it runs into problems. That's when the two sides can't get together. If we would only get together and say, okay, what does the Tim Scott bill say as a starting point? What do the Democrats want? Can we get together and find common ground? And, and agree that there are certain things that, you know, certain practices, certain things that are happening, we don't want to be happening. But there are other things that are strictly for political show. Can we separate the political show from the actual substance? If we could manage to do that, we could actually come up with legislation in some of these areas. So that's the frustrating part about this is that it's not like, like Republicans are saying, no, 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 no reform at all in this space. Uh, and Democrats are arguing, no, 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 we're the only ones that've got the answer to this. In fact, if you look at it, there are actually some ways we can get together. There can be some common ground, and that's where I wish we would start, instead of trying to use this to, to one's own political advantage. Boring. Who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Well, that's the way if, I see the world. If Tim, <laughs> if Tim Scott runs for president, and maybe against Kamala Harris, who's the one who stopped him uh, from being able to get this going, uh, that, that topic could be huge. Yeah, Speak- she wouldn't even meet with him. Speaking of people running for office... And if this is a, if this is a non-starter, I mean, if there's no chance, then we don't need to discuss it for more than Here five seconds. Here we go. Here we are. All right. Caitlyn Jenner officially announcing today she's running for governor of California. If you think she's got no shot and is not a player, then we won't discuss it. What are your thoughts? I, look, I, I, uh, I, I don't think that it's a non-starter completely, and here's why. We all know how difficult it is to break through in California. It is, it is a big state. It has a lot of, you know, massively expensive media markets. People are either attention is divided. And if we think back to the last recall, the only person who could have broken through was the one who ended up running and winning, and that was Arnold Schwarzenegger. And not to put Caitlyn Jenner and Arnold Schwarzenegger in the same category. I mean, obviously, there are, there, there are differences in their candidacy. But the only There are a I'll number of differences it, between very, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Caitlyn Jenner. True. True. It, it, it is very hard to break through. And if your theory of the case is you need something completely, you know, different and some would argue outrageous, then that's what Caitlyn Jenner represents. So I I know enough to know that you never say never in politics. And so, look, I think I think this will this will make the recall much more interesting even than it would have been before. Let's put it that way. Hmm. We're not friends anymore because you've had (laughs) Jack on now. 
Lon Hee Chen, David and Diane Steffi, fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University. Lon Hee, thanks a million for lending us a bit of your time. Always appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Thank I, you. I actually don't think, if I had to bet money, I don't think Gavin Newsom's going to get recalled, so it's not going to make any difference. No, there is no level of incompetence high enough to get a Democrat recalled in California anymore. The state is beyond saving. It is beyond hope. Abandon ship. Abandon hope. All ye who enter here. Armstrong and Getty. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.